Hello, everyone. Like every episode, today's podcast was recorded several hours before its actual release. And as tonight's episode was about to come out, we learned that American soccer journalist Grant Wall died today in Qatar, where he had been reporting on the World Cup. He was 48 years old. Tributes are being paid on social media, and among them, U.S. Soccer released this statement. The entire U.S. Soccer family is heartbroken to learn that we have lost Grant Wall. Fans of soccer and journalism of the highest quality knew we could always count on Grant to deliver insightful and entertaining stories about our game and its major protagonists, teams, players, coaches, and the many personalities that make soccer unlike any sport. Here in the United States, Grant's passion for soccer and commitment to elevating its profile across our sporting landscape played a major role in helping to drive interest in and respect for our beautiful game. As important, Grant's belief in the power of the game to advance human rights was and will remain an inspiration to all. Grant made soccer his life's work, and we are devastated that he and his brilliant writing will no longer be with us. U.S. Soccer sends its sincerest condolences to Grant's wife, Dr. Celine Gounder, and all of his family members, friends, and colleagues in the media. And we thank Grant for his tremendous dedication to and impact on our game in the United States. His writing and the stories he told will live on. We will have more to say about Grant as a writer and as a person in tomorrow's episode. And for tonight, we just felt we should acknowledge this tragic passing and we send our regards to his family and loved ones. Rest in peace, Grant Wall. From Apple News and Meadowlark Media, I'm Brendan Hunt. And I'm Rebecca Lowe, and this is After the Whistle. Reminder, there will be adult language. The World Cup quarterfinals got underway today. Croatia, Brazil, Argentina, Netherlands all took it to penalty shootouts. We're here to take you through it. And later on, World Cup champion Abby Wambach and her wife, Glennon Doyle, who loves football, join the show. Let's get to it. Rebecca. Wow. Rebecca. <laughs> oh, Brendan. We had two days off, which, by the way, were miserable. I kept wondering, am I missing something? Am I missing something? No, it's nothing happening. Nothing, literally nothing happening in the world for two days. And then two first class, top notch quarterfinals. Let's start with the one that we just saw finish. Argentina beating Netherlands on penalties to make it Croatia-Argentina in the semifinals. I'm sorry, my friend. A heck of a game. We sure were treated to drama. A lot of drama today in, in both occasions. I can't remember a day that had two straight knockout games of such drama and quality, but my heavens. So w- getting into this game, you know, very cagey early on. I, one thing I wondered early, and this is a bit in the weeds, but like, why does Louis van Gaal hate Matthijs de Ligt so much? I mean, he's he's been at Ajax, he's been at Juventus, he's now at Bayern Munich, he's young, you know, defenders get better when they're older, but he's picked a younger defender in Jurian Timber. And then he's picked Ake, who hardly plays for Man City. And Ake got worked today. Ake got got juked just enough, kind of over and over, and was flailing about. And yeah. I don't know if that was a great choice. 
by Mr. Van Gaal. I think Van Gaal is going to get some flack, and he? he's going to get some flack. As much as we all love him, the Dutch fans back in the Netherlands have not been too impressed by the lack of pretty football. And they probably would have been, have been able to swallow that if the Netherlands beat Argentina into the semis, into the final, win the thing, or it certainly gets the final. But they're out. They're out of the quarterfinal stage. And so all of a sudden, no pretty soccer, no pretty football comes back to be what will no doubt be the headline. I mean, the Spanish press have, have annihilated the Spain team. I'm sure Brazil will do the same uh, now that they're out and we'll get to it. And the press will be coming as well for Louis van Gaal, which is a shame because he has been box office in his press conferences. But the way he has approached this World Cup... To, to really justify what he did for that country in particular, for that team in particular, he had to get further than this. It's a funny thing with the Dutch team, because like on the one hand, there's the pressure to play beautifully, you know, in, in the great you know, crowd tradition, but then there's the relative lack of trophies and where do they meet? But personally, I would have been fine if they'd won. Like I, I, I kind of loved this patient vibe um, mm. because it's not what they usually do. But it ended up feeling, in the end, a bit of a bloodless campaign for them. And part of that is due to the group that they were given, because they got a soft group, which on the one hand, the great will advance. But on the other, like it kind of takes out any need to break a sweat. You know, like I'm thinking to like 2014, we opened against Spain, who had just won two European championships and the World Cup, beat them five to one. That was an announcement. That was an arrival. Sure. That got the blood pumping. And then even in Euro 2008, where we had we, <laughs> um, you know, both both France and Italy in our group. That's, the, you know, the, the the reigning World Cup finalists, both, and crushed them in back-to-back games of that European Championship. And there was no result like this. There's no result. There'll be no memory from this World Cup, you know, um, except for 10 minutes of Wout Weghorst um, for, for Dutch fans to really hang their hat on. Well, I think that's true. But this is when it comes to the fine margins and the penalty shootout being what it is, because despite the fact the game finished in a draw and penalties are penalties, you still never remember the team that lost the penalties, but the comeback would have been that moment for you. Had you won the penalty shootout, which some people believe is a lottery, others don't, that would have been your moment because of the comeback. It wasn't like it was 1-1-0-1-1-2. It was a lovely comeback, especially with Veghorst, the Burnley player, by the way, (laughs) Burnley player, having the effect that he had. Um, Also, by the way, quickly, the reason you even got to extra time was because of the set piece at the end of the 90. And did you know, Brendan, that Veghorst, who scored that goal, that brilliantly worked set piece, did it two years ago for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. I have seen footage of the exact same free kick. So I feel like the set-piece specialist for Holland, don't worry, move over. Veghorst knows what he's doing. It was a brilliant, brilliant set-piece. That is why set-pieces are such a big part of this game. But the character was there. Unfortunately, they didn't leave themselves enough time to complete the comeback. And then if you, if it goes to penalties, then like it can be anyone's game. To the Dutch mentality about football, an incredible comeback because of blunt instrument Wout Weghorst getting two is not going to fill them no. with joy. I mean, if it had gotten yeah. them through to another round, you know, where they could have put on a show, then that would have pleased them. But like, you know, when Luke de Jong came on, who was a very similar player to Wout Weghorst, not quite as physical and I bet not fun to hang out with in any way, shape or form. Everything <laughs> about Luke de Jong tells me like no one likes him. I, I just it's just vibes. I have no data. It's just vibes. Um, <laughs> but when Luke de Jong comes on, I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're at the crossroads right now between this is a good coach realizing like, oh, we need to go to a plan B here, get some tall guys in the box, or, oh, we're out of ideas. Now get some big lumbering guys in there. And then Luke de Jong was followed by Vaud Vechorst. <laughs> I just love his name. Um, and the Vechorst part of that worked out. 
But I don't think that's going to fill, yeah. as you say, the Dutch papers, the, the news, the Volksgrant, the Telegraph, Spitz, <laughs> they're all going to be coming with daggers out. Um, I suppose we should talk a little bit about, uh, what's his name? Messi? Yeah. That guy? Yeah. Oof. I know. It continues to be a joy. I think sometimes when you watch a game of Messi, we expect more from him than a human being can actually give. You know, an assist and a goal, brilliant. But then we're like, okay, now where is he? He hasn't done anything for 45 minutes. What, what's happened to Messi? It's like, you know, we expect so much, Brendan. Yeah, but he paid it off. I mean, he was <laughs> he, he was just pulling the strings. Like, it was so effortless. You know, that assist on the Molina goal, you know, again, like poor Nathan Ake, but like, just that little faint crease, that little bit of space, and that's all he needs. And then the, the inch-perfect pass. Oof. You know, with all respect to Veghorst's status as a Burnley ledge, actual, <laughs> actual ledge in action. As fun as it is that we put in, again, we put in a, uh, a goalkeeper in this tournament who had never played for, for Holland before. You sure wanted an experienced goalkeeper here. Mm. That would have been nice. And Emmy Martinez is that goalkeeper. And he he ran that thing. Yeah, and I, every time I see Emmy Martinez play, whether he has a worldie for Aston Villa in the Premier League, which, by the way, happens a lot. He's such a good keeper. He's and great. now he has these great moments uh, for Argentina. I remember back to the days, and there were many, and it was many a year that he was second choice, third choice at Arsenal, and that he decided, no, I'm out, I'm out of here. I've got a career to forge. And I'm so pleased for him because reserve team goalkeepers are as a whole world of interest to me because you can have those that literally are second choice their entire careers, make a really good living, but don't have that burning desire to want to be the number one anywhere. And Martinez, of course, felt like he was good enough to be the number one at Arsenal, which, by the way, at the time, I think actually he was better than Leno, uh, but he couldn't get in. And so he went to Villa. And hat, hats off to him because I'm not sure he'd have been there today had he not left Arsenal and gone to Villa. He's a really good keeper. Another Martinez on the team, Lautaro Martinez, mm-hmm. who scored the final penalty. Uh, help me with this, Rebecca, because I think I need a non-male eye on this. Is he mm-hmm. the world's weirdest looking handsome dude or the world's handsomest weird looking dude? <laughs> um, I think possibly the latter. Weirdest looking handsome dude? I think so. Okay. I think so. Okay. I think so. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you. I'll, I'll set that up later. This is why I signed up for this pod, by the way. That is why I signed up for this pod. Um, the referee, I know you would like to talk in some terms about Antonio Mathieu Lehose, the referee today. I don't know that he's a coward, but I do know that he on two occasions behaved with cowardice. One being when Lionel Messi did uh, what I call a Cellini for uh, MLS fans, where he openly swatted his hand in the air like a windmill to put a ball down <laughs> the referee did nothing. And Virgil van Dijk was aghast. Okay, that's one thing. But then later in the match, Paredes of Argentina tears into Nathan Ake, clear yellow card. The ball bounces near him and he kicks it with malice and intent and vigor right at the Dutch bench. Two clear yellow card offenses back to back. He only gets one. He should have been gone. Oh, you're absolutely right. He got so lucky there. And uh, the referee... It was a lot was about the referee, I felt. I also felt his use of the whistle was highly irritating. There were a couple of moments where the where the fracker happened. In fact, it was right after that, wasn't it? When he lumped the ball into the bench and then they all piled off the bench and there was a big old coming together. And the referee just does, you know, that annoying thing where he's backing away, blowing the whistle. Oh, so irritating. It was all about the ref. I hope we don't yeah. see him again this tournament. I didn't mind him in his previous game. I can't remember what it was. Also, can you please uh, say that word again that you just said that is uh, spelled F-R-A-C-A-S? Fracker. I love the English pronunciation of fracas. 
We just call no, it fracas. No, you don't say fracas. We sure do. There's Stop a fracas. It. Oh, everybody come closer. There's a fracas. Stop it right now. There's not a fracas. There's a fracas down the hoedown. Oh, my God. No one says fraca. No one says fraca. <laughs> It's a fracas. Um, okay, so we have got <laughs> we have got Croatia Argentina then in the semi-finals because let's go backwards in time, Brendan. Yes. Because yes. Croatia knocked Brazil out of the World Cup, the team that was the favorite, the team that I had down to win the whole thing, whole shebang. But this, what do you say? Shebang, if you say shebang. I mean, come on. Uh, Brazil, though, again, this game went to penalties. Oh, my God, it's a sickener, an absolute sickener. But Croatia, I mean, Brazil had it, had it right there in the palms of their dancing hands. Brazil had that semi-final place. But you know what? Croatia deserved that. Oh, absolutely. And also, Brazil deserved what they got. I mean, I went back and watched the second half of, of Extra Time. Yep. <laughs> By the way, I also love explaining to new people, when did Neymar score? Oh, he scored in the first minute of added time of the first half of Extra Time. Um, <laughs> trust me, it's a great sport. Stick with me. Um, but, I mean, I went back and looked at it, and, I mean, you're up one nothing with 15 minutes left in a quarterfinal. There were eight Brazil players in the Croatian half. Yeah. What are you doing? Like a minute before the goal, you could see Chiche imploring his players to drop back. And still eight players up in the Croatian half and then they're punished. And that was, there's that H word again. That's, that's hubris. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah, no, you know, when we talk about England at some point today, I want to go front foot, but they're not in that situation. That is about the biggest back foot you need you know, of all time right there. And the Brazil manager, Chiche, no longer the Brazil manager, of course. He said after the game that he was out. Can I just ask you about penalties? Because this is really interesting because the Netherlands had Virgil van Dijk take the first penalty. I'm not mm -hmm. sure I'd have done that myself. Argentina had Messi. In my opinion, Neymar, who never got a chance, should have taken the first one. I mean, I, don't you? I, I like it when England has a penalty. I mean, I never like it when England has, has a shootout. But if you're going to have one, Kane goes first. Kane goes first. Lineker used to go first. Alan Shearer goes first. You've got to have the one with the highest, biggest chance of scoring. And surely that's Neymar. And then he never got a chance to even try and pull them back into it. There was an, a recent shootout. It, it was the, I believe, 2020 Copa Italia final, um, Juventus versus Napoli, and Ronaldo was set to go for the fifth kick, but he didn't even get to kick because Napoli had already won 4-2. to two. Um, And like, hey, superstars, stop trying to be the closing act. We need you up top. No, that, that I think you're right. And and I, by the way, I would never, ever, ever criticize anyone for taking a penalty. I just felt in, in Neymar's situation, you got to stand up there. You got to put yourself forward for that. Um, but the way that Croatia came back and equalized, this is what's so interesting about penalties. Is it you know the momentum was then with them, and because it happened so close to penalties, because it happened right at the end of the second period of extra time, just seconds away from penalties, there is nothing a human being I think can do about the kind of kick to the stomach that the Brazilians would have felt at that point, even though they know they had to raise themselves, even though they, they know they had, you know, it's okay. It's all back to square, you know, all back to square one. Now it's all level, level playing field for the penalties. You cannot surely as a human being get out from your mind, the momentum change that that Croatia yeah. goal would have affected. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, but the inverse of that is after you score that first goal, if you don't go thinking we've won it, yeah. then you're not going to have quite as far to fall emotionally, yeah. you know? I know. I, it's a shame though, isn't it? 
I mean, it is a, I love, I'm so happy for Croatia. I said it on the pod the other day, this country, how does it do it with less than 4 million people? And they were a finalist in 2018. They know how to win football games on the big stage. So I'm here for that. I love an underdog. I just think a World Cup with Brazil... Is, is, is a good thing. But they got to earn it. I know. You know, I know they, they, know. they done fucked up. I know. Um, shout out to Zlatko Dalic, Croatia's coach, who, you know, the other day we were talking about, you know, gosh, I don't know if you want to do a second campaign, but here he is on a second campaign. You know, that's, yeah. two, that's a final and a semifinal. So good job him. But all three players who were involved in that last goal, uh, Croatia's only goal, were subs. Now, two of them, which would be Vlasic and then the eventual scorer, Pekovic, came on in the 72nd minute so that was a while earlier but Orsic had just come on and got the assist so mm. that is a feather in Mr. Dalic's cap for sure okay so now we have one semi-final set and we are allowed to change our minds in the intervening days but your initial reaction to Croatia against Argentina in the semi-final on Tuesday your winner will be it's going to stick with the team that you've had all along I still think Argentina. And the reason why is I think Argentina might look back and say that that difficult group stage is going to have been a blessing because what it caused them to have to do was get into grind mode. They have been grinding. Brazil have been in the clouds. They were not quite ready for a dogfight against Croatia the way that I think Argentina look ready to Mm -hmm. go up against, you know, anyone, no matter what way they're going to play against them. I agree. I think it's going to be Argentina, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I feel no. I feel that Croatia, the dogfight, the the experience, the sort of been there, done it nature of this Croatian team will push them all the way. And I think possibly it's a, it's a really good point that you make. Argentina started this World Cup the worst out of all the biggest teams, and they've grown into this World Cup maybe yeah. more than any other. So I think that that will continue, and it's very, very, very difficult to bet against Messi when he's in this kind of form. Um, So yeah, I too go Argentina to make it to the final. Yeah. And I think they look better than they did in 2014. Also, generally speaking, when they made it to the final. And Messi himself looks better. I feel like even by the quarterfinal in 2014, he looked drained and empty. And maybe it was because he had a longer Champions League season before that. Maybe he has an advantage, you know, as an older fellow who's got doing this mid-season, I suppose, at the end of one. But um, he didn't look himself in 2014 by this stage. And now he still does. He still very much does. I think he can smell it. I think he can smell it. Yeah. Folks, we've had the occasional guest in the show before, but today we have not one, but two guests because they are a power couple that we welcome to the show. Both of these women are activists. They host the hugely successful podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, and they are New York Times bestselling authors. Also, one of them happens to be one of the greatest women soccer players of all time, a proper American ledge. We are honored to welcome Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach to the show. Hello, ladies. Thank you for having us. We love this podcast so So much. much. You guys are amazing. Glad Aww. to be here. Oh, that's so lovely. Sweet. And obviously, here. Coach Beard, we're, we're huge. Cannot, can, we're can't huge take it. The deadpan philosopher with the wild side. <laughs> uh, all right, let's jump in. <laughs> I guess, first of all, we're recording right after, literally immediately after the Holland Argentina match. Uh, how's everybody doing? Whew. How would you say you're doing? That was really intense for you. A lot of yeah. pacing, yelling. I feel grateful because a World Cup's more fun to watch with Messi in it. And I'm glad he made his penalty, both. What a game. I mean, it's it's horrible to lose a game in penalties. And you... My God. What do you think about penalties, Glennon? <laughs> well, I think they should be outlawed under the Geneva Convention. And I have a lot of, of ideas. I think they could end on direct kicks. 
They could end on corner kicks. They could end on indirect kicks. There's a lot of kicks that require more people mm-hmm. that would be fairer. I think that would be amazing. And it also would go on a very long time if we just did corner kicks. That would be amazing, Glennon. We call that a game. It already goes on forever. It never ends. <laughs> um, Glennon, can you just describe for the listeners, like, what's the living room like when there's a World Cup game going on? Just to give us the flavor. Well, it feels upsetting. There's a whole lot of yelling. There's a lot of screaming. Nobody sits down. I don't even know why we bothered to buy a couch. Our dogs stay in our bedroom and and they shake the second the TV goes on and they see a soccer game because it's so loud. She's just, she's really intense about it. And she stands. She stands for every play, every anthem. She only sits down at commercials. It's intense, you guys. Is that accurate, Abby? Yes. When it's a good game, I'm intense about it. I think that I'm in it. I'm involved. Like my blood pressure and heart rate were raised Mm -hmm. during the penalties. Mm -hmm. And then I cannot believe how the Netherlands were able to score on that free kick in the way that they did. That was like such class. And I just think so well coached, you know, nobody does that. I just love watching good games. That's why football, soccer, is so fun because things can change in a matter of a second, you know, a matter of like one play. Yeah. Um, so, Lennon, I'm getting the impression that World Cups are slightly new to you. So <laughs> before we get into this, could you guys walk me through the timeline of your courtship, you know, vis-a-vis previous World Cups? Because, you know, they, they come around, you know, pretty often. Yeah, all of her cups were over. All of my cups were over. Yeah. yeah, we met when I had retired. And I think that that's probably for the best. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I don't think Glennon would have been able to survive bloody heads. Oh, my God. Last minute heroics. No, I can barely survive you watching games. That's right. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to support you. I have to comfort you. Yeah. And so I'm glad you're in the room. A way that I get her involved in the excitement of the game is I just tell a story. Sometimes I lie. She makes up stories about the I players. Story this one got out player. of poverty. This one's this mother's guy. an addict. This one, just so I'll stay right. and cheer. She knows how to get me attached. That's yeah. genius. Because then she's in. She's like so committed. Yeah. And Glennon, you know, there was that lovely, lovely video during the Japan shootout that Abby shot and posted. And you were, you appeared to be near tears mm-hmm. or perhaps actually crying mm-hmm. at the team that you had perhaps never watched be- before. No. No. <laughs> I only, I, no. Just making sure. But I had a thought about you today, you know, looking forward to this. At one point, <laughs> at one point, uh, you know, after the Brazil game and, you know, Neymar has uh, didn't even get a chance to shoot and they had a close up of him after the game. And I realized, oh, my God, they are now using HD super slow-mo on tears, like <gasps> tears are just falling and absolute. Slow-mo. You're getting every every glisten <laughs> of reflection as every rivulet goes down every pore, you know, and every bit of stubble you're being toyed with. It's not entirely your fault. Exactly. It's a setup. She says, come on, honey, watch the soccer. And then it's like the best of times and the worst of times. And what did you just say about the stadium? What did you just say upstairs about the stadium and how beautiful (laughs) it is? Well, watching these people when they pan to the stadium and people are just bawling and grown men are hugging each other. And I think men play the sport so that they can finally hug each other. And it's just (laughs) like, I wish that people would stand at the UN and be that excited about anything going on. But 
I'll take it. It's a beautiful freaking thing. It's like this container in which to experience all of our emotions, but it is a trick. It's an emotional trick. This is so fun, Abby, because as you well know, the rest of the world, football is the thing. So like Glennon is like this rare species that is <laughs> is new to this thing that like virtually everybody else in the world is kind of like being, a, you know, has loved it forever. There are not many Glennons around right now. <laughs> beginner's mind. It's yes. beginner's mind. It's Buddhist. It's like when yes. people are fresh at something, they can see the magic and awe in it because they're not jaded sure. to it. I and also, right, I Rebecca. think that um, when I joined this family years ago, you know, obviously I have my background with soccer and sport, but the way that I consume it, you know, I'm not watching the NBA regular season. Like I'm watching like the big moments, the moments that matter. Um, and I think that it, it's been really interesting to watch your progression into the sports is what we call it. She knows some stuff. I know some stuff, you guys. She's like, seems like they're really possessing it more than the and other And I got to tell you the other thing. All right. When I started learning about the women's <laughs> national team and what they have been through and how they have built this shit from the ground up, and what, I said to myself, I'm going to do everything I can do to bring more people to the game, didn't I? And that's going to be hard since I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. But- I am doing my best with all I don't know. You're doing a great job. You could be the key to to football <laughs> exploding in America. I mean, we have all bloody tried. Can I tell you that for the That's last right. 10, 20, 30 years? That's We've right. all done our best. Abby has retired from cups. She can do no more. No more cups. She has cups. She's retired from cups. You know, we're all trying. But, you know, I feel like Glennon could be the key finally to spreading the word, Brendan, that we've all tried to spread. A hundred percent. And like, you know, uh, it, this both feels very rare and I feel like it's happening or I hope that it's happening more places. P you know, people are, are mm -hmm. turning it on for the first time through some deception uh, from a loved one, but perhaps sure. Um, but like, oh, wait a minute. I'm into this because totally. it, it, it may be deceptive. It, it may be amazing. It may be emotional, but it is, of course, very, very addicting. Rebecca, how do you like England's chances tomorrow? Abby, I feel a little bit sick. And all these <laughs> penalties today, honestly, if it goes to that tomorrow, I honestly, the bottom half of me is just going to fall out. I feel ill. But I actually think if we take the game to France and don't over worry about the best player in the world, Mbappe, I think, you know, let's not sit off. Let's give it, let's, let's go and get it. We've got the players finally to do that, correct? <laughs> yeah, I mean, France is a strong side, like no doubt. So you're going to have to utilize a lot of your attention to Mbappe and yeah. Giroud. But mm. you don't get to the final by sitting back Correct. and holding on. You win a final that way. Yes. Finals are different because there's so much emotion that you got to play very risk averse. You wait for your moment and then you attack. I mean, there's been only one final I've ever played in that was a multi-goal scoring game that we beat the other team against Japan in, in 2015. Um, but for the most part, finals are just stressful, a lot's going on, and so you just gotta be very defensive-minded. But to get to the final, you gotta go after it. You gotta take risks. You guys have the talent, you know? I mean, Harry Kane, like, let's go, score some goals. He's yeah. been doing great, this yeah. this cup, so. Yeah, yeah. Bringing it, it home, bringing it uh, home. I think it might be coming home. I think it might be, if we were to win on Saturday, I think it might just be coming home. Glennon, do you think it might be coming home? 
I feel almost positive that it's coming home. That's it. Do you know what that means? I think it might be about a cup. Yeah. You know know what? You know what I think would be really great? You know, the English women, the lionesses, they brought it home for the. Yes. So maybe the men can follow in their footsteps. Men can do anything women can do. You guys, I feel strongly (laughs) about that's very charitable. Thank you for that. (laughs) I I appreciate that. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. I feel more confident. And yeah, if Gareth could just listen to Abby, I agree. You don't get to a final unless you go for it. Yeah. Okay. I agree. But it's just if the penalty thing. I mean, how do you, Abby? You've done it. You've been there. You've stood over the ball to take a penalty in a shootout. Explain to me and ask how you do that. Yeah. So a lot of factors are involved that are hard to put into context because every situation is different, right? Most penalties from a hard-fraught match are a lot of times the waning minutes of, of regulation, the team scores to equalize, to send it into extra time. Sometimes there's goals scored in extra time and then equalize goals to send it to penalties. So how that momentum gets shifted through penalties and then whoever kicks first and second to me has always been um, one of those things. It's like the first thing you win in a penalty shootout today. didn't matter. Netherlands shot first. You always want to go first, but when you're standing on the ball, you are only thinking about your shot. You're not thinking about what is the goalie going to do? What's going to happen if I make this? What's going to happen if I miss? So I always had the intention, put the ball down, look at the ball. Don't look at the keeper. Mm-hmm. Look at the ball. And, you know, I think I only missed two penalties in, in my entire career. What? I know. <laughs> One happened to be in the final World Cup, which is a, a, a doozy. I'll never forget it. But fun fact, when we were playing against Brazil into the 2011 World Cup, where we scored that super late goal, mm-hmm. and we sent that game into penalties, um, I was standing over the ball. I was the third shooter. And uh, our our strength and conditioning coach actually uses this data point when she goes and talks about her experience training our team. My heart rate was in the 90th percentile, standing still on the ball, just waiting for the whistle to get blown. So what your mind can do to the physiology of like your actual heart rate, your body, what it's going through is really intense. And I believe that penalty kicks are not for the faint of heart are for, for the people who are no one. Yeah. They're for the people who (laughs) are capable of failing immensely because it's so much pressure. You have the entire, you know, success of that game on your back. I always just think about their mothers. You know, like mm. imagine being their mom and watching them <laughs> in that high stress position. Oh, yeah. Goalkeepers and goalkeepers, yeah, parents, goalkeepers, moms and dads. Ugh. So if one of your teammates says, I'm out, I, I, this is not for me. Are you OK? I mean, Glennon, I feel like you'd be very generous in that moment. I think you would say to a teammate, if a teammate said, Glennon, I'm not taking a penalty. I feel like Glennon would totally get it. Yeah, I would feel like I would say, you guys, let's just not do this. <laughs> Ties feel good. It's usually determined well before that, though. So, like, bef- yeah, weeks and okay. weeks before you're practicing penalties, is it? everything's getting statistically calculated where you shoot, how you shoot. So then, the order of which the takers take those penalties sometimes is determined because you want to have three right-footed players coming across their body or three right-footed 
in a row, right? So sometimes you you strategically put them in or or put them in certain spots. So hmm. there's a lot more to oh, it wow. than just like know that. who wants to take it. Like the coaching staff has like their top 10 list. And, and then, then they have a list. They give you a list of where they think the guy's going to shoot. The other guy's yeah. going to shoot. So I don't know if you saw today on the broadcast, but the um, the Netherlands goalkeeping staff taped on the Netherlands goalkeeper's water bottle something. And yeah. on the water bottle was likely who the kickers were, where they will most likely kick it to mm-hmm. give him a little bit of an edge or an advantage. It did, I mean, it didn't work. That's what's so interesting. You can do all that homework, right. but it didn't work in the end for the for the It's bloke, all crapshoot, really. You're just trying to statistically get it. Oh, in. God. Okay. Rebecca feels the stress of the soccer. I oh, like that. I, I, I am going to be rooting for <laughs> the England team because of you, Rebecca. Thank you, Glenn. Yes. Thank you, Glenn. You're so welcome. Appreciate that. I want to have England. you in my heart. I want England because there's no more cynical fan than an English fan in the second half with a lead. Mm. And I think we've just run out of time. <laughs> so, uh, but I want it for you. Yes, yeah, she I wants want it for to you. To change the cynicism yes. into reality and hope for bringing one home for your country. Let the icy English hearts oh, melt. Oh, yes. One time. Right? Just once. Uh, uh, gang, we, we know you have to go. Uh, I just have one last thing for you, Abby. Um, uh, me and my partner have a 22-month-old, and uh, it took like, oh, gosh, four years of uh, fertility uh, treatments to, to you know make that finally happen. But for me, it was never in doubt because our doctor's name was Dr. Wambach. <gasps> you knew that doctor was so. coming through in the clutch. That's right. Yeah. I really had no doubt whatsoever. That's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank 22 you. 22 months. That's good stuff. Thanks for having us on, y'all. <laughs> thank you, guys. Yeah, this so, is fantastic. So, so much. What an absolute joy and honor. And love your podcasts. Love the books. Legends. Love you guys. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks so much. Thank you. What a treat. Well, I was just wondering, like, um, are we working tomorrow? Because I can't remember. I don't have my schedule in front of me. What's happening tomorrow? Is anything happening tomorrow? So tomorrow, I may or may not arrive on the pod. <laughs> full stop. I mean, full stop, period. End of. Might break my contract. It's mahoosive is, is what it is. It's absolutely mahoosive. It's England <laughs> against France in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And by the way, with what Croatia did, and England are not as big an underdog as Croatia were, it gives me more hope. I think the biggest thing here, Brendan, is what system Gareth Southgate plays. So he has played a four at the back throughout this whole World Cup mm-hmm. and it's worked. USA wasn't great, but it's worked in every other game with the top scorers at the World Cup. We've only conceded two goals and they were against Iran when the game was already won. However, France are a whole different kettle of fish. So might he decide with Mbappe on the left, might he decide to play a back five with Walker, the right side of the three with Stones and Maguire? obviously the left-back Luke Shaw, and then Trippier, so that you're kind of covering Mbappe at every turn in front and behind. That then leads you to have Rice and Bellingham in midfield with Bellingham getting that license to go forward. And then though, you are a man down compared to if you play a four, of course. So anyone new to football, you can play a back five, back three, however you want to call it, but it means that then you don't get that extra player to be creative at the other end. So I don't want to do that. I really hope that Gareth has the 
confidence in this team. And the noises coming out of the England camp, Brendan, are that he is going to take the game to France. Now, I will believe that when I see it. And my goodness, do I hope it so, so much. Because I really think that is the only way that this England team are going to be able to progress. We cannot sit back. We cannot sit off them and give them the ball. One of the ways that we're going to stop this France team is if we stop the ball getting to Mbappe. We've got to possess the ball and we've got to take on France. And so I would like him to stick with the four, which allows us to have that extra man in midfield going forward. So I think this system, I'm not always sure that systems are always as big as they're made out to be in football. I think it, sometimes it can be a little inside baseball when people love, mm-hmm. love to talk a system. But I really think in this particular case, go with what works, Gareth. Go with what works. Bravo for all that. You've given it a lot of thought. Applaud that. I applaud that. I have. I mean, I, do, I think of little else. I think of little else right now. <laughs> my dog walks. I am certainly rooting for England tomorrow. I do not have the tactical insight that you do. I can only say it feels like as a dumb fan, just going with his gut, it feels like the only way to beat Mbappe, since you won't stop him, is to outscore him. That's a great point. You know, just a great point. Do, do more than they do. We're not going to stop him, are we? And I thought to myself, how the fuck did they lose at uh, Euro 2020? I can't remember. And I went back and they were up 3-1 on Switzerland. It must have been coasting, feeling real good about themselves, and then gave up two late goals and then lost on penalties. Mm. The, the hubris factor can be there if France gets ahead. Basically, I'm agreeing with you. Like, like England just have to just, just pound it in, pound it in, yeah. pound it in, because there's, <laughs> there's not going to be much call for anything that'll be like an effective defense against France. And just finally on this, Brendan, you're absolutely right. The key to it is that we actually do have the goal scorers. There have been competitions yeah. in the past where one or two players are really going to score the goals and that's about it. We have them all over the park. I mean, just look at who scored. Pretty much everyone scored. So we can outscore Mbappe because I just don't think for 90 minutes you can keep him quiet because he's going to get the ball at some point. Just please don't let him out on the outside. If he gets the ball, show him inside. No, hang on. I'm going mad. If he gets the... No, that's right. I'm just trying to work that out in my head. Basically, just don't let him get the ball. All right? Just don't let him get the ball. Do something, Carl Walker, Kieran Trippier, John Stones, Harry Maguire, for your country. Don't let him get the ball. Don't show him either side. Don't show him anywhere. Show him the other way. I love your emotions. I love your emotions. And you know, it's because you don't get to show the emotions about Crystal Palace on your uh, incredibly neutral uh, weekly program. But here, let it out. Let it out. I'm scared. Let your heart beat until it's a fracas. <laughs> fracas in your rib cage. Oh, Brendan. So I won't sleep too well tonight. And, I, and it's sure, annoying sure, sure. that it's an 11 a.m. Pacific kickoff because that's a very long morning. Isn't it? Mm. I mean, at least there's another game to keep us busy, but... Oh, good Lord, good Lord. Oh, and there is another game tomorrow, folks. Portugal-Morocco. Yeah, yeah. No one thinks Morocco has a chance, but uh, wouldn't it be awesome? Oh, sorry. I I was still thinking about England. I was still thinking about England and waking up. All Um, right. It would be. No one let Rebecca drive today. Brendan, I can't focus on Portugal-Morocco. I'm really sorry. I know it's in the rundown. I'm just acknowledging. It's just just not in my brain today. I mean, is it even happening? Nobody knows. I'm only thinking about England. I'll talk to you about Portugal-Morocco at a later date. (laughs) And even that is only a maybe. Okay, my um, my final bit and bob, and I don't know, Brendan, if this has happened to you, but I feel like if it's happened to me, it's happened to most people. Can we issue a rule to the world, okay? You're not allowed to text during a game, and here's why. 
everyone's internet works at different speeds. Now, it's not 1998, so I don't have cable, okay? I am watching this game off YouTube TV, mm-hmm. and my internet, not the May West, I'm not going to lie, it's not the best. So it's a little on the slow side. Now, I do therefore feel I'm a little behind everybody else. Uh, if I get one more text going, whoa! Before anything's actually happened, and oh, guess what? 30 seconds later, there's a goal. Oh, that's what the whoa is for. I'm going to explode. It happened during the England game. Ugh. Blame my husband for this. We had a momentary uh, tete-a-tete about it during the game because I think it was the first goal, right? England against Senegal. And the build-up looked like there was going to be a goal. So I kind of got up off the sofa and my husband didn't, which gave me a red flag in my head. Anyway, back to the game. Goal goes in. Husband doesn't celebrate. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? what? What's going on? He's like, oh, I, I just got a text. I knew, I knew we'd scored 1-0 because my mate in England texted me. Okay, we're taking all the joy out of it now. We need to yeah. stop texting across the Atlantic Ocean. We need to stop texting across the Pacific Ocean. We need to stop texting my friend down the road texting me today from the same town that I live in with a big whoa 30 seconds before Argentina scored. I don't need the woes. I don't need the texts. Internet is at different speeds. Let's stop the texting. Tomorrow I'm going to put my phone on mute and I'm going to put my husband's phone. In fact, I'm going to throw my husband's phone into another room. We are not having texts. So tell us what's happening before it happens because AT&T can't sort out the speed. (laughs) All right? (laughs) Bravo, bravo, bravo. Also, though, mute, mute those phones. You're going to have to mute those phones. Uh, that's going to be yeah, to. It's gonna be real important. I know. All right, friend. Um, I may or may not see you again. <laughs> hey, I, I, I would never, never blame you. Not for a second. Oh. Uh, folks, if you're loving the show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and be sure to rate and review as it really helps other people find the show. And for round the clock World Cup news plus scores and standings, follow along on the Apple News app in My Sports, where available. We will be back with or without Rebecca with more World Cup coverage right here in your podcast feed tomorrow, Saturday. Also, we have been so overwhelmed by all the love and the support that we have received over the past few weeks that we want to give you, our lovely listeners, a special treat. Now, we want to give you guys a chance to ask us some questions. To submit it, simply record your question via voice memo on your phone and email it to are you ready do you have a pen write it down atw as in after the whistle at meadowlark or one word dash media.com that is atw at meadowlark dash media.com we will select a few and answer them on our december the 17th show which is our penultimate show please keep them to 30 seconds or less and focus them on football that would be great not the nfl wrong football Although I'm very good at the NFL. I bet. I know a lot. I bet. Yeah. I want to see you get in the NHL as well. Yeah. I can't see the puck. I can't see it when it's on telly. I can't see the puck. I mean, what is the point if you can't see the puck? I mean, what the puck am I going to do about it? Nice. You're made for this. Mm-hmm.